0: Section 7 of Astounding Stories 7, July 1930 This is a LibriVox Recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Astounding Stories 7, July 1930 By Various Earth the Marauder Beginning a three-part novel by Arthur J. Burks Chapter 9 the attack of the Yellow Stars. Why should I safeguard Jaska? asked Sarka quietly. She is a true daughter of Cleric. If Cleric doesn't fear for her to be spokesman of a chance, why should I? He is her father. If she wins, the more glory will be hers. If she loses, she will at least have tried. Meaning, snarled Dalyst, that I have refused even to try? Sarka shrugged expressively, and the three stepped once more into the observatory, took their places before the microtelescopes. For a moment they couldn't see the outline of the moon, for during their brief sojourn in the laboratory the moon seemed to have disintegrated, flying into countless spheroidal pieces. "You see," said Daly, "the moon men don't wait for us, they attack! it was all too true that the air-cars which had been mastered at the rims of the moon's craters had been hurled outward into space outward toward the onrushing earth and the myriad numbers of them for a time shut out all view of the surface of the moon god spoke sarka and it was like a prayer his cheeks were pale as death for in a moment he would speak the word which would send the gents of Dalis under the leadership of jaska out against these formidable air-cars of the moon-man and the appearance of the onrushing cars was terrifying that their flying radius outward was a great one was manifest by the fact that the earth wouldn't for another hour reach its closest estimated point with the moon sarka exchanging glances with his father rosen stepped again into the laboratory even as he entered the room of the master barrel jaska's broken signal came through i'm ready sarka came her soft voice vibrant with confidence the gents is ready and the gents believes in me for a moment sarka hesitated before taking the plunge then he spoke the fatal words go jaska and my love goes with you as the earth approached closer to the moon, the revolving of the barrels had been decreased, so that the motion of the master barrel was almost normal, normal being that speed with which it revolved when it was necessary to use it for visual contact with the people of the earth. Out of the area of the gens of Dalis darted the green specks which were the flying people of Dalis, Sarka staring in among them. Focusing the barrel microscope, sought for some way of identifying Jaska, who led them. A thrill coursed through him when he made her out, unmistakably, dressed still in the tight white clothing of her own gents, with the red lily of the house of Cleric on her breast and her back. The daughter of Cleric was leading the gents of Delis into combat under her own colors and her father's insignia. Sarko raced back to the observatory, seated himself again to watch the attack, which must of necessity be joined within a matter almost of minutes. Those myriads of air-cars flying outward from the moon had seemed invincible, but up until now he had never seen an entire gen's mastered at one time, his whole being thrilled with the awesome grandeur of the spectacle. It seemed that none an able-bodied individual of the Gens of Dalis had failed to answer the master of the Gens. Millions upon millions of people, taking all the ice roof of that part of the earth lying between Ohi and the North Pole, from the heart of what had once been part of the Pacific Ocean. So many of them were there, that when they were free of the earth flashing outward at two thousand miles an hour it was impossible to see the moon of those formidable air-cars and still out of the heart of the area of the gents of Dalis came other myriads each flight waiting only for the preceding flight to clear the green tight-fitting clothing of the gents of Dalis, each individual wearing the yellow star of the spokesman of the gents a marvellous awe-inspiring sight And this was but a single area, and the earth was divided into twelve such areas, some smaller none larger which showed Sarka for the first time a hint of the mighty man-power and fighting woman-power which he controlled. However, once free of the earth, conduct of the fight would be in the hands of the spokesman, Jaska acting for Dalis. Sarka turned to Dalis, his eyes flashing. ''Does it not thrill you, O Dalis?'' he demanded. ''Do you not wish now that you had gone out with your people at their leader?'' ''They follow just like sheep,'' he stated with a snort. ''But wait, my gents seem invincible, because it bulks between us and the air cars of the moon dwellers. Wait, see how the battle goes. The gents may yet have need of Dalis.'' Sarka studied those outgoing hosts, which were dwindling away to mere specks with vast speed, for through the cordons and cordons of them he could now see the air-cores more plainly. It was still possible, when one looked through the micro telescopes to see the slim figure of Jaska leading the attack. She was in the vanguard of the gens of dailies leading her people onward as though she had been born to command, utterly fearless. And I was small enough, whispered Sarka, to doubt you. I even told you that I doubted you. Forgive me, Jaska, forgive me. And still, as level after level gave up its myriads, the gens of Dalis shot forth from the gens area and went away following the lead of Jaska. Millions of people, armed with ray directors and atom disintegrators. How tiny the individuals seemed! against the mighty bulk of those air cars of the moon. But Sarka didn't fear, save for the safety of Jaska, as he was realizing in you that he had scarcely skimmed the surface of the man might of the earth. Now, seen through the mirrors of the dailess gents, he could see again the own Russian air cars, and his heart misgave him for a moment as he could tell, by estimation that at least a hundred families were outlined against each individual car, which moment by moment grew larger. Those tentacles were now much in evidence, rising and falling under and around the racing aircars like serpents or dragging ropes, but seeming like living things in the sentient manner of their moving, eager to come in contact with the first of the Earthlings and to wrap those tentacles about them, crush them, hurl them into space sarka went back into the laboratory only long enough to attune the barrels of the earth to a point where the earth would remain almost stationary comparatively speaking taking a curving course about the surface of the moon as it had for countless millions of years cursed about the sun then back to the observatory to see how went the battle through the micro telescope the first meeting was plain to be seen the gens of Dalis rushed headlong to meet the aircours, and many of them rushed headlong to their destruction. Sarka noted a group of perhaps a hundred people break forth from the vanguard of the attackers, and mount to a safe height above the aircars against which the gents were hurling themselves. A sigh of relief escaped him. And he wished there were some way in which he could learn the individual identities of the ninety-nine who had taken Jaska forcibly out of danger. For her white clothing and her red lily of cleric were plainly visible and recognisable. The men of the gens of Dalis might permit the leadership of a woman, but they wouldn't permit her to be needlessly endangered. Sarka turned to Dalis and noted that the face of the master egotist was pale and drawn, his nostrils quivering with emotion as he watched his gents go into battle, and a feeling of satisfaction coursed through Sarko like a little white flame. Dalis was proud of his gents, and now was wishing that he, and not Jaska, were leading them onward. I would wager something, whispered Sarka to himself, that Dalis will not be able to stand it that before battle has been joined for ten minutes, he will have gone out to take over the leadership of the gents. Jaska must have guessed that, too. Wise, clever Jaska. With a fearless massing of forces, the people of the Yellow Stars joined battle with the air-cars. The manner of men who flew the air-cars was still unknown to the people of Earth, but in a trice they would know. In a matter of minutes, Earth would realize the horror of what faced the gents of Daelis whom led, for with the sending out of their air-cars, the moon Man had given but the merest hint of their ponderous, devastating might. Chapter 10 Tentacles of Terror Daelis had always been a stormy patrol, but as he sat before his micro-telescope, Watching his jests go into battle against the Moon Man, not even Sarka the Second guessed at the depth of an infamy of which Dalis was capable. Dalis had given a hint, but Sarka had, in his sudden realization of the fact that Jaska really loved him and was no traitor, forgotten that hint. How had Dalis learned the secret sign manual of Jaska and Sarka? Therein lay the hint. Dalis, in common with all other Earth scientists, possessed the ability to think deeply, yet to mask his thoughts, that no one else could grasp them telepathically. And it was well for the peace of mind for the circus that they couldn't read the black thought of the man, or look into the future, even so far as a dozen years. The gems of the yellow stars moved into contact with the air course of the moon. Earth and moon were gripped in the horror of war the war between worlds when no quarter might be asked or given because fought between alien peoples who didn't so much as comprehend each other's languages or even their signals the people of the gens swarmed about the air cars like mirrored swarms of angry bees but it was only to Dalis that this simile came for only dailies of these three had ever seen a swarm of bees sweeping in closely The giants brought forth from their resting places in their sarco their redirectors and their atom-disintegrators, and turned the blighting rays of them against the gleaming, ice-colored sides of the aerial monsters. But even as the giants brought their instruments of destruction into play, the mighty tentacles of the first hundred air-cars had got into action down they world to catch at the flying bodies of the pygmy-like individuals of the giants and hundreds of earthlings were caught in those tentacles in the first moment of conflict sarka studied the reaction of the people thus captured he could see the expressions of unutterable agony on their faces could see their cheeks turn black with what there was no way of knowing but all sorts of guesses were possible those tentacles from their action upon the human beings which they encompassed might be charged with electricity for the people they captured turned black then shriveled slowly and were released by the tentacles they fell sluggishly away through the great space which yet separated the earth and the moon but the people who fell fell aimlessly going neither toward the earth or the moon like black feathers in a vagrant breeze great god do you see father cried sarga there whatever it is that turns our people into seniors and drops them has no effect on the anti-gravitational ovois in the skull pans of the helmets and without mental direction the ovoids neither rise nor fall but wander aimlessly see as the fight continues those who still live at the dart here and there through the battle area Will be confronted continually by the blackened faces and shriveled fears of their departed friends relatives and neighbors and will see at first hand what will happen to themselves if they are caught by the tentacles from the lips of Dalis came one single burst of laughter filled with bitterness no other word came from his lips no other sign he merely sat and stared and masked his hell-black thoughts so that neither of the sarkos might read them but in the fertile might of Dalis, a plan was being born a plan that he knew had always been growing back in his mental depths somewhere down the centuries since first he had become an enemy of the sarkos the sarkos ruled the earth and but he would spring his surprise when he believed the time right for Dalis possessed a faculty which neither of the sarkos possessed an example of it being his incomprehensible knowledge of the secret code of moving fingers used by Sarka and Jaska. The gents of Dalis drew back in consternation at this wholesale taking off of the first line of attack. Out of that first line, comprising perhaps a thousand families, scarcely a hundred had escaped the groping of those mighty tentacles of the air cars, and the black shriveled things which had been men, floated all about the aircars which had destroyed them, warnings to those who followed them into the fray. Those who had somehow escaped the wrath of the tentacles in the first engagement fled back into the heart of the next line of sky skirmishers, fear and horror in their faces. Here, answering to the will of Jaskay Mile, also above the heart of the conflict, they reformed with their people and prepared again to attack. And how to attack this formidable aircar successfully—that was the question. Ray directors had been turned against them, but something was decidedly wrong. The first car to feel the blast of even one of those ray directors should have vanished, become as nothing, as had the body of Sarka the first before the ray director of Dalis. But apparently nothing had happened. Why? Grimly, Dalis and the two remaining Sarkas pondered the problem, wondering at the same time what Jaska would now do, how reform her gens, how send it again to an attack that seemed hopeless. There they go again! whispered Sarka. The first two mirrors of the gens of Dalis had now crowded together until they formed a veritable cloud which masked for a moment the air course of the moon. Then, as one person, answering to the will of Jaska, they swept into the attack again. But as they approached the air cars, they divided four ways, up, down, to right and to left, and smashed into the air cars from four directions at once. Jaska, knowing that countless lives must be lost to destroy these monsters of the moon, was trying to down them by mass attack, hoping that, while the inner groups gave their lives those who followed after them would get in close enough to use their ray directors and atom disintegrators. She's wasting lives to no avail, cried Dalis. There is a way to beat these people. It's really your responsibility, old Dalis, snapped Sarka. Why do you not go out and leave your gents? If you know, why remain here and watch the destruction of all the people of your gents? You know why our ray directors and atom disintegrators don't work work but poorly because our fighters are within the gravitational pull of the moon instead of the earth and machines which work perfectly on earth are thrown out of balance when under the influence of the moon then cried sarger we must sweep in close enough to our people without waiting to say another word for thousands of men were down each breath of space. Sarka raced into the laboratory and gave the signal to raise up the speed of the barrels, to attune them with the increasing speed of the master barrel, whose jade lever now was set at the hallway marking the onyx slot. When he returned to the observatory, Delis was gone, and Sarka the second sat alone. I knew he would go, said Sarka for I cannot endure to see someone else take credit for winning this first victory, if it's even possible to win it. I knew that, vain though he is, Dalis is yet a man. I'm not so sure of that son, replied the elder Sarka, for I have known him longer than you have. There is something else in that brain of his which takes no thought of the death of people of his chance, or for the betterment of the other people of the earth. I wonder. But even as he spoke, Dalis was away, flying free and fast toward the scene of battle. In a few minutes he would be felled by his gents, and Jaska could return again. Sarka sought for her. She was still safe, high above the battle. Thousands and thousands of those shrivelled things now floated in the space about the cars, above them, below them, everywhere. But the gents of Dalis had at last caused some trouble. To the aircars of the moon. A hundred of them, like stricken birds, were falling downward toward the moon, great holes torn in their sides. But as they fell, their tentacles, which whipped here and there like snakes in their death throes, carried with them their full capacity in people of the gens of Delis. With the partial destruction of the aircars which were falling, the force that actuated the death-dealing of those tentacles seemed to have gone out of them for the people now held in the grip of the mighty tentacles were still alive their squirmings could be plainly seen and their cries could have been heard had it not been that the noise of battle drowned out all other sounds a hundred air-cars falling and the men and fighting women of the gents of Dalis, with new courage in them now they realized that the air chorus were not entirely invincible, renewed their attack with savage vigor. Taking no thought of the deaths which must surely come to them, they circled and pressed the air chorus and when the tentacles caught at some of them, others climbed to the very body of the air chorus of the shrilling bodies of the dying and turned their radiators and atom disintegrators against the gray sides of the monsters. Even before Dalis had reached the vanguard of his gyants, another hundred aircars were falling, each with its tentacles wrapped tightly about such of the earthlings as they could grasp, falling, falling, still living, plunging down. Now Dalis had reached the scene of the fray and was assuming command. As he did so, a single white-robed figure, life-size when seen through the microtelescopes, out of the fray and headed at top speed for the dwelling place of sarga jaska relieved was returning home but though jaska flew at top speed she didn't seem to grow larger or draw nearer to the earth out of the rack of the defenders of the moon a single air-car whose gleaming gray side was marked with queer crimson splashes broke free to pursue Jaska she fled at top speed yet the air-car was gaining proof that the moon had developed speed greater than earth had attained but why queried sarka does she draw no nearer? great god ejaculated sarka the second after a brief examination of certain chartographs beside his microtelescope we are moving away from the moon something is forcing us away the people of the moon have something whose nature we don't know capable of forcing them away from us while they pull our people toward them you see if they pulled us toward them we could overthrow them for we are now by them perhaps thousands to one but if they force themselves away faster than the gens of Dalis, if defeated can follow us they can destroy or capture the gens at their leisure suddenly out of the earth past the all-seeing eyes of the micro-telescopes swept a new myriad men in white wearing the red lily of the house of cleric cleric was sending out men to rescue jaska from the air-car which pursued her but would jaska this who went forth to fetch her ever be able again to attain landing-place upon the earth it looked doubtful even as sarka asked himself this question fresh air-cars shot from the rims of moon craters rushing outward to add their weight in the battle against the gents of Dalis, the gents of Dalis was doomed in the mind of of the second there still loomed a hellish doubt that would not down the men of cleric were surrounding jasca now protecting her with their lives against the tentacles of that lone aircar splashed with crimson and all were flying a losing race with the earth which was still being forced outward from the moon End of section 7.